my goal for tonight is for us to uh, review a little bit of where we're up to because it's been a while, and then to um, <clears throat> finish with this part of Amir La'akam and move to a related but separate part, and then after that, after spending a couple of weeks on that, move to the issues of hiring and partnerships and all those things which um, in a way are more and in a way are less relevant to kind of everyday life, and, and that's what we're going to focus on next. And then after we're done all of that, we would hopefully be done you know, in a month or so. I would like to move on to a, to a different topic, whether it's going to be in shop. Is this the right link? This is the right link. Okay. Um, so to start, you know, either something else on Shabbos or, you know, David uh, suggested a different topic. And if anybody else would like to suggest, you know, other topics, please let me know. And we can, you know, do something else. You know, David was talking about maybe looking at triage in Jewish law with, with you know, who has preference. Uh, that's one option. The other option, there's other options, you know, maybe something more you know, kind of daily life related, but, um, or something which you find interesting, but, it, you know, it, you know it, it should be something which we can sink our teeth into and, uh, you know, really explore in depth. Okay, so I want to review where we're up to. So the basic ideas are, right, that we talked about that there are two principal issues with, with well, there are two areas of concern with regards to the uh, uh, the utilization of a non-Jew on Shabbos, right? The first issue is benefiting from the work of a non-Jew on Shabbos. I shouldn't have really said that first. That's really secondary. And the second issue is where um, you don't benefit from the work, but you actually ask the person to do it for you. And we talked about that there are two sources or two potential problems with Amir La'akam. The first one is the issue of shlichus, of proxy, which as we have spoken about is, is, is an issue specifically when you ask the person to do something on Shabbos. The second concern with regards to asking someone to do something on Shabbos is Vidaber Davar, where you are not supposed to talk about non-Shabbos related things on Shabbos, and the Talmud derives that this could be an issue of Vidaber Davar. And we mentioned that there are two, uh, there are two edge cases which, I'm sorry for the background noise, it's just I'm giving this class in my dining room instead of my office, because we have um, uh, a sibling over at the moment. And there is drama because some kids are heading back to school tomorrow. So the drama is not from the parents. Drama is from the kids because they don't want to go to sleep early. So um, such is life. Okay. The, the, um, so Vidabra Dover, we said that there are two edge cases where we really see a, a distinction between these two issues. Case number one is where you have well, – oh, Mikey's here. Okay. Welcome, welcome, Mikey. Good to see you. Um, it's been a while, Mikey. Good to see you. And then, um, <clears throat> or not see? Oh, now, now, now we can see you. That's good. Okay. Right, so, 
So, um, so, so we said, right, Vidabra Davar is relevant for the scenario where you tell the person on Shabbos to do something after Shabbos. So over there, there's an issue. And the issue of Shlichus is related to a situation where you ask the person before Shabbos to do something for you on Shabbos, right? So in that case, Vidabra Davar would not be a problem because you're not talking about anything on Shabbos. But Shlichus, the issue of proxy, would be an issue. Then we introduced another class of problems is where you're benefiting from the work of a non-Jew. And we mentioned that this is only a issue where the non-Jew does the work directly for you, for your benefit. And we said that if the, if the non-Jew does it for the benefit of one Jew, it becomes forbidden for all the Jews. And we've talked extensively about why this would be true um, and the opinion of Rashi and Tosfest, the two different schools of thought as to why benefiting from the work on Shabbos is a problem. We talked about these two separate areas and we had a machlokas rashitosis about it and we saw this machlokas come up in various areas um, when when they are problematic or not. Okay. So our final thing, which we were in the middle of talking about, sorry, we also mentioned the possibility of, um, oh, hi, Lily. The, 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 the possibility of a shvos b'makom mitzvah. We talked about the scenario where, right from the from the bala iter, where somebody wants to you know light a candle or ask a non-Jew to light a candle for them to be able to enjoy a Shabbos meal, and we we saw that the vast majority of the commentaries are very bothered by this because we normally don't say that you can transgress a shvos b'makom mitzvah and. The Shulchan Aruch gave us a, sorry, the uh, uh, Ramah gave us a very difficult um, parameter. He said that one should not be lenient about this, except for a situation of Tzorech Tzorech Gadol, which we see in other areas in uh, the Sagev Shvos refers to something that's really, really severe, usually like a Chola She'embo Sakana or other things. Um... We saw also from the Magen Avram with regards to that, that, that when the Magen Avram said that, when the uh, Ramah said, do not protest against the people who do it, the Magen Avram used the language of Tov It's better that they sin in error, right, that they kind of sin unknowingly than sin knowingly. Now, this is not a very comforting thought when you think about the uh, permissibility of this action. After this, we had the we had the view of the Kivager and the, the the discussion about carrying a candle on Shabbos, right? There was the Shachanar talked about carrying a candle, so you know where you ask the your so a person has uh, some kind of house help, and he asks them to come with him to bring something from some place, and they have to light a candle in order to do so, and we said that there is a Good question, yeah. No, okay. I don't want to interrupt you mid-sentence. Go, go ahead, and I'll, then I'll ask when you're done. Oh, oh no, it's fine. So, so, that they, 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 so they just said that in the case where you want to light a candle, sorry, where they go light a candle, but since their primary objective of lighting the candles because they're going on a mission with you, we said, so Shekhanarach said that, that this would be problematic. Uh, yeah, Lily. So I, I apologize if you've already covered this. No, 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 please, yeah. So uh, in situations where you're technically, I think, permissible to, um, to violate Shabbos, so for example, a child is ill 
and you have to, you know, take care of the child. Right. Uh, is it better for you to violate Shabbos or ask someone who's not Jewish to, to perform the same act? So in other words, it's going to get done regardless, but is there a preference either way? So that's, so that is a excellent, excellent question. Um, so the, it, it goes to the following issue. The issue is as follows, that when we say that one is allowed to desecrate Shabbos when someone's life is in danger, there are two ways to understand it. One is that it's considered to be hudcha. Hudcha means that while there is a transgression of Shabbos taking place, the mitzvah or the obligation to save a life supersedes it. So although they're happening in tandem, one is supposed to do it. Okay? Another possibility is that when the Torah said, right, that you are not allowed to desecrate Shabbos, there was an implicit exception built into this, that when there is a risk of life, it's hutra, it's not even considered to be a desecration of Shabbos. Now, th this question would be very dependent on these two approaches, because if you were to understand that the idea is that there is no desecration of Shabbos happening at all in the context of saving a life, then there would be no reason to ask a non-Jew, because... There is no desecration of Shabbos. There's no reason why you shouldn't do it over, over the other person. However, if the idea is hudcha, that it was merely that the obligation to save a life supersedes desecration of Shabbos, even though, even though um, the prohibition is still here, but one is allowed to violate it in order to... In order to um, in order to save a life, in that case, then one should ask a non-Jew, and this is indeed the case. That generally speaking, right, the consensus is that this is how it works. And for example, whenever you know peril is is overdue, we rig up a whole system with a local taxicab company and everything to try to minimize the desecration of Shabbos. But one is, this is actually explicitly stated, one is not supposed to go around looking for a non-Jew when there's a situation of life and death, that you are supposed to jump right away and save a life, and it doesn't make a difference how much. And this was a this was a, a issue by uh, Hatzalah organizations in various places. There's a discussion about whether or not they should have a hire they should hire a non-Jew designated driver for Shabbos. And in Lakewood, among other places, there they got the psak that they should not do so because there was a concern that people will wait around for him or people will delay, and therefore they said that no, that they should... So is there also a concern that it's not good for us in terms of our relationship with the Gentile community, that it looks like we are recruiting people to do things that we don't want to do or refuse to do? So, the, that, so that's a concern, but that's usually, I think, in my experience, it's usually a comes down to how well you are communicating. Because in my experiences personally, when I have interacted with non-Jews with regards to Shabbos, while there may have been a barrier of them understanding or not, I've always felt that there was a way to contextualize it, that, that it was not in some way offensive, that, this, that you know, this is too good for us to do, but we'll have you doing it. Um, there are, you know, there, things have to be done intelligently. But there are, you know, the, 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 the concerns of, you know, 
Eva, which you're referring to, where we have to be worried about creating ill feelings between Jews and non-Jews, does come up with regards to, for example, how far you are, you are allowed to go to save a life and other things. But with regards to Amir Akam, I haven't seen people really talk about it. And in my personal experience, generally speaking, if you are, you know, if you communicate it well, I haven't seen, I see people be creeped out about being asked to come into your home to play with your oven, like evoking a certain Hansel and Gretel vibe. <laughs> What's this Jew going to do to me, you know, or something more sinister? But I, I haven't seen people feel condescended to. Okay. But, you know, I, again, you know. But don't you think that in general, the, uh, the, the attitude that it's a violation of your body and you should avoid it will always create dangerous situations. I mean, like, you know, as you said, in like what they, they, they say, don't, don't hire a, a non-Jew because I, I can see the situation, right? So there's a dangerous situation, like several Jews stand around and they look at each other and say like, who should do it? Right, right. Um, so so uh, you, have, you have the, uh, 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 what was that effect? Uh, Kitty, Kitty Genovese, Kitty, mm-hmm. right, effect. Yeah, lots of Jews just, just, so, so that's not, so the halacha is, is that you are, you have to jump right away. The question is, is what's called minimizing Chil Shabbos. So therefore, you know, in a case where there's any risk to life or anything, you have to do everything right away. You don't, you don't wait, you don't minimize, you do everything. But for example, if there are certain things you can do before the fact, right? Or have certain, right, for example, right, you know, if a Jew, right, maybe, you know, a Jew being a doctor in a hospital on Shabbos, right, could be considered to be pekuach nefesh. However, if there's a way for him to swap with a non-Jew, then that's obviously ideal, right? And this is very common in uh, residency uh, situations where, you know, the Jews will swap with the Muslims and the Christians so that they can, you know, he can take Sunday or Friday, they'll take Shabbos and things like that, because that's something which is before the fact. But yes, at the at the heat of the moment, you know, you see a car accident, you shouldn't turn around to the guy next to him and say, is your mother Jewish? <laughs> so, so by the way, by the way, this, this, this happened to me several times and I've always been, been, been split. Um, so, so, so one of, you know, let's say kids, you know, they have to go to the emergency room. Right? Right. On Shabbat. I go in the car, get the, get the kid in start the car and our car has this stupid thing that it turns on the radio right away. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like I'm, I'm i'm split between you know on one hand i know that turning off the radio will you know be another <laughs> violation but at the same time you know having the radio blast on shabbat is also not not a right so uh, I'll tell you a story about that. There was somebody who was living in uh, B'nai Barak, you know, like the you know, Haredi of the Haredi neighborhoods. And he, someone, you know, something happened on Chavez and he had to run to the hospital. And he jumped into the car and he had an old car and by mistake someone hit the radio and all of a sudden this like really dense uh, rap music starts to play from the radio blasting out. <laughs> Driving through the, the religious neighborhood. Yeah, he couldn't turn it off and he's like a Rosh Kolel like a really respectable position. People see him, white beard flying, on Shabbos, driving through B'nai Brock, <laughs> you know, the system up and the windows down because, you know, the air conditioning didn't work in the car, presumably. So, you know, <laughs> I think... You're... That's exactly where giving people the benefit of the doubt is... Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. 
exactly right. That's where you, you know, I have to. That's where Don Lakovskis plays a very major role, right? At least true. Okay, so. With the radio, at that point, it's just playing itself, right? It's it becomes functional like you turn on the radio even before Shabbat started. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you shouldn't. Oh, uh, so you you shouldn't you know shut off shut off the radio. But I'm just saying, you know, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. You know, it's you know these things happen. But um, um, okay. So so the the issue which I would like to kind of talk about now, right, is the question of sorry before that. So I, I want to just catch up on one more thing. We also talked about the issue of uh, psikresha on Shabbos, right? So so we saw this from. Rebbe Akiva Eger, that in the case where there's a psikresha, meaning to say, where you, um, where, for example, opening up a fridge door, which will turn on a light, right, that is something which you are allowed to ask a non-Jew to do directly, because it is, it's a psikresha. So even though a psikresha is a problem for us, it's not a problem to ask. And we try to think about different possibilities about why, about why it should be different. It's not immediately clear why it should be different. But Kivager does say it's different. And Halakha we do say it's different. And there is a distinction between a case of apesic ratio or not. So one of the classical times when you want to call a non-Jew, for example, is where you left your light on in your fridge on Chavez, right? So... The issue is, the issue is, I'm sorry, one, one moment. The, so the issue of uh, psikresha is not immediately clear why it is, but you want to ask a non-Jew to open up the fridge door for you, you are allowed to ask even though doing so automatically turns on the light. Now the question is, is that are you allowed to ask them to shut off the light or to unplug a plug that will, or plug in a plug? And that is a different question. Now, the reason why doing so could be uh, uh, permitted and is permitted is that there are two issues over there. The first issue with shutting off a light, right, meaning if you have the fridge door open and you want them to sh uh, shut off a light, so there are two questions. And again, right, we always have to think about the issue of benefiting and the issue of um, asking, Right. So with asking, if, if you could hint to them, as we're going to explore later about what exactly constitutes hinting or remiza, right? For example, just saying, you know, saying, oh, I really want to turn the light off, but I really can't do it. And I really want it off. I really, really, really can't do it. That, you know, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, according to many opinions, could not be considered hinting. It could be considered to be nudging. Um, the, the, you know, we're going to, we're going to explore remiza in a week or so but but the idea behind hinting and asking in that type of way is to avoid the asking uh, directly of shlichas but the, there's the issue of benefiting now with benefiting there's an interesting idea in order for it to be considered benefiting you have to get something new which you didn't have before so for example if let's say you have a situation where you have a freezer or something which has been unplugged uh, 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 before Yom Tov and you want to plug it back in so in such, a, in such a case, if you hint, the reason why that is permissible is because the fact that your stuff did not melt and spoil is not considered benefit. It's considered the removal of damage, right? the, the uh, prevention of damage. So you didn't get something new. You just were prevented from losing something old. 
right, something which you had. So miniya sahevsin, preventing damage, that's that's okay. That's not considered to be benefiting. That's not hana. So in a case of a fridge, if let's say the right the fridge door is open, right, and you want to now be able to to close it and and open it. So when when the non-Jew shuts off the light for you, right, with the light bulb, all they did, the benefit which you got, so there is an interesting perspective over there. On one hand, you can leave the fridge door mostly open, but then you're going to lose energy, you're going to lose electricity, the food could potentially go bad a little bit. So the benefit over there, on one hand, could be, could be viewed as miniya sahefsid, right, preventing damage, and therefore it should be permissible. There is another perspective that if, let's say, you have items that are out of the fridge now and you want to place them in the fridge, right, and the ability to kind of be able to use the fridge, the hishtamshus, that the ability to use it, that is something which the non-Jew is giving to you because you are able to now open and close the door and use the fridge. So there is a debate about whether or not that should be an issue because the food that's already in the fridge then that's pretty much considered to be miniyasahafsit. But food that is not yet in the fridge, right, over there you are being marviach, you are gaining something. So most people say is that since you are primarily concerned about the food that's in the fridge, or at least since there is miniyasahafsit going on, and for that it is permissible, so then one can view this as the situation of tosefes hana. Right. If you recall, we talked about the case where there was a one candle already burning, and even though the light was not, you know, very, very, um, you know, it, it wasn't very light in the room, but you were able to do what you wanted to do. And then someone, you know, lit another candle. That's not a problem because they're just giving you additional benefit, but you pretty much had the use. So there are some people that want to say that they're being able to put new things is simply considered to be a tosefes hana. With regards to the fridge, other people say you have to look at the context of the food and not the fridge. And as you can imagine, it's a lively debate. Most you can also, but you can yeah. essentially rephrase anything in terms of loss of, uh, I mean, loss of something. For example, you can say, let's say you forgot to turn on the light in right. in, the, in the in the living room, and you you can't enjoy Shabbos meal, and then you can say, you know, I lost my ability to enjoy. So that's real, and and then and then you say like so, turn on. So, so no, no, that's true. I, I don't disagree. But when I, over there, the case when you someone is lighting the light for you in the living room, right, where you didn't have it, what you are gaining from them is something which is new, right? You are now able to read here. Now, yes, you can say that I you know I had my pleasure. I mean, at least I I didn't have displeasure until this point. And that's true, but with regards to a fridge, right, what's the benefit of a fridge, right? The benefit of a fridge is the fact, right, for at least many of the things in the fridge is that it doesn't spoil. So right. what you're saying is that the benefit is that the status quo is maintained. Exactly, yes, 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 exactly that, right. Is that, is that we, we, you know, when all you're doing is maintaining the status quo, we don't see that as benefit. We see it as the aversion, kind of, you know, uh, averting damage, but we don't see it as benefit. Now, the question is that in the case of a fridge, it's really a mixed scenario, right? Because on one hand, you know, how do you think about keeping things cold? Is that a status quo or is that something which is dynamic, right? Like, like the candle. How do you think about, you know, when you have some things, you only care about the status quo, but other things you care about keeping them, you know, making them cold now. 
And when you have like a mixed situation, then that's where it gets a little bit complicated, but, but most commentaries consider it to be okay. But um, I just wanted to mention, I think in the context of refrigeration, the aim is um, preserving food. And by its very nature, preserving food is maintaining the status quo. Exactly. You know, so I agree with you. But, you know, there are people, for example, I put soda in the fridge, even though it will be preserved outside. All of right. It. That's a different story because right. soda doesn't go off, per se. Right. So I'm saying, so therefore, right, in the context of a fridge, right, you had, it's like a mixed use, right, that the majority of the use, right, is, is as you say, right, is to uh, preserve the food. Other, you know, but there is some use where you're not just caring about the status quo, and that's where it gets fudgy. But most people say that since the, the, the primary purpose or what you really care about with the fridge is that things don't, don't spoil, therefore we consider a fridge to be a situation of miniasa hefsed and for miniasa hefsed, meaning uh, preventing damage, that's why it is uh, permissible to hint after the... So you, so you can ask to open the fridge door because of psigratia, but for them to shut off the light, right, hopefully most times of, that I've encountered it, they ask... They say, you know, what you know, what are you guys gonna do? And we say, I don't know. And they say, <laughs> should you actually adjust your your actions according to this? Because let's say the freezer, right? Mm -hmm. A freezer chest. Yeah. You know, it was unplugged. Yeah. Right? You get you know a non-Jew to plug it back in. Exactly. But now you have the habit of cooling your water. You know, you put it in 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 the freezer for for. 30 minutes to make it colder. Yeah. Should you then not do this? Because no. then you get benefit from it? Right. So that's a good point. So, so, so that's what I was talking about with, right, with regards to the mixed usage. That is that the general consensus is that since you are allowed to do it for those things, right, so therefore the action is uh, permissible and therefore you, you are allowed to do it for that also. There are okay. some people who are very stringent and they say you can't, but that's not the consensus. Okay. Okay, so, uh, yeah. With food preservation, can I just ask my roommate, like, hey, Olaf, can you throw some salt on this raw piece of meat for me? Oh, you're saying, you're saying with regards to other things over there? Like, well, if we're going with food preservation, I'm like, okay, you know, salt this meat for me. I can't, but you're going to preserve it for me. The idea behind food, right? The idea behind food preservation, right? Over there, when you salt the meat, and you're talking about over there a different malacha, you're talking about the malacha of me'abed, what you're doing over there is something else. Over there, that is explicitly a biblical prohibition where you're changing the state of the meat, right, to make it be able to last. As opposed to the case of the fridge, right, over there we're not talking about, you know, we're talking about a specific issue of benefit, what's considered to be benefit. And is it a benefit, right, if let's say someone does not punch you in the nose, right, did they do you a favor? Now, some things, you know, after I say certain things, one can argue yes, right? But, but generally speaking, right, it, it's not hurting me, you know, is, is not something which we view that I've got. And this is very, very important, by the way, because this is also true with um, uh, regards to many other, other, other areas of uh, Hana, which comes up, is that where you if you if you didn't cause damage or you didn't do something we don't see that necessarily as benefiting the notion of hana is that you had to have gotten something you had to have kind of you know been enriched in some way i don't just mean financially i mean that there's a notion of having gotten something and the idea behind your food not spoiling 
is not viewed as as a as a hana, as benefit. Even though yes, obviously you're happy and you're relieved. I can tell you, right? That like, you know, five hundred dollars of food is not going to spoil. But but you know, it's not from a technical perspective considered to be getting pleasure. Right, deriving benefit. I, there's a distinction between pleasure and benefit. I should really be saying benefit, not, not pleasure. Okay, so I want to just go to, to one final point. And we talked also about this, this issue, right? Um, so by the case of apesic ratio, we said that, um, that, that in such a case, it's going to be okay. And therefore, it's fine. There was, Kivager had an interesting distinction, though. He said... That in the case where, you know, so he had a funny case, right? So the case was there, there was a lit candle, and there is a way to carry it in a funny way that even a Jew is, is uh, allowed to carry it because there's no problem with muktzah if you carry it in a funny way. Don't take that as gospel. There's obviously uh, a lot of caveats to that. But, uh, you know, where I, with regards to this case, that's fine, right? However... However, there is another issue because over there, right, there is a problem that as soon as you carry it, right, you carry a candle, it's going to go out or the flame is going to jump up and down, right? There's going to be some variation in the fuel, right? You're talking about oil lamps or gas lamps, right, where there's going to be some kind of variation and, 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 and that's going to be a uh, psychratia. So there are those that wanted to say, okay, well, you can ask a non-Jew to carry it even though it's a psychratia. Right? Why? Because they could do total minatsad because they can carry it in a funny way. So even if they decide to carry it in a in a normal way, that's going to be okay, because because that was their choice. So so Rebbe Kivager said even though psikresha is not a problem, right? But if they were a Jew, can't carry it in a funny way because if he does, he will transgress psikresha. So therefore, there's no permissible way to ask the non-Jew, because even though it's a psikresha, uh, and even though you have tilta menatzad, there is no practical permissible way for a Jew to do it. So, so that's Kivager's thing. But what we did talk about was that there is a, another leniency here, is that if there are two ways to do something, and even if one way is more convenient than another way, and we'll, we'll see this more when it comes to newspaper delivery, which we're going to talk about by the sugi of uh, Igaris, is that if there are two ways to do something, and even though one way is much more convenient, as long as the other way is reasonably doable, and I understand reasonably doable is not a rigorous definition, but as long as you know one way is doable, Right, that's something right which somebody could could practically do, as Rebbe is explaining. Then, uh, if if they choose to do it in a in a easier way, that's fine. And one of the examples we gave, right, was in a uh, hotel where the kitchen was on a lower floor than than the dining room, and there were two ways to bring food up the stairs. Either either they can walk up a staircase with a tray, or they can go up the elevator right with their cart full of trays. And we brought from um, the postgame from Eretz Yisrael that said that that it's fine for them to bring their food up the elevator, even though they're doing everything for the benefit of a Jew, because theoretically speaking, they are able to they are able to bring it um, they are able to bring it with uh, the elevator.
sorry, with the staircase. Another example is, is that if you have someone who's non-Jewish who's helping you out in the house on Shabbos and they're, and they're washing dishes, right? So washing dishes with cold water is really unpleasant. And while if you scrub hard enough, eventually right, you can get the dishes as clean, it's not as easy or as, you know, just rigorous, right, as, as well as doing it with hot water. So you can ask them to wash dishes, and if they choose to use hot water, this is their decision. So therefore, that's considered to be, again, when you have two options. And we, we, we spoke about this, that this seems a little bit like a cop-out, right? Because we know with 100% certainty, right, that people choose the path of least resistance, and nobody is going to, you know, do something harder when they can do something easier unless that thing is, is uh, tomorrow, right? Because otherwise, we all do that. But, but then, then they will turn on the dishwasher, right? Or you know. right. So, so you know, so with, with a dishwasher, that's a little bit of a different issue because it makes noise, and that's what's called afshamilsa. And we'll, you know, we're going to get to that, you know, maybe some other time. But technically speaking, yes. I mean, they could theoretically, if there would be no problem like that, they could do that. And the question is, is that if we know that they're for sure going to do it, because nobody in their right mind would not do it, so then are we just claiming ignorance? Are we sticking our head in the sand? And for this, we right, we talked about that our, that that we have to look at it from again from from both perspectives. So so from the perspective of shlichos of asking them to do it. So over there, we said if there are two ways to do something, we can't see the asking as a directive specifically targeted at desecrating Shabbos. Even though this is the way it will be implemented, as long as there are choices, we can't look at my asking as a direct directive to, uh, to uh, violate Shabbos. With regards to benefiting, so this was a little bit more nuanced, and we talked about the scenario of the laundry, right, that we saw in an in a, uh, earlier class where you... Bring some non some laundry to a non-Jew to a non-Jew. I'm sorry, on on a Thursday or, or or Wednesday, and then they do the laundry on Shabbos and they bring it to you on Shabbos. And the Shulchan Aruch says, there actually the uh, Ramah says they that you are allowed to wear it, you are allowed to use it. And the reason and the reason over there was because since they had the option to do it before Shabbos, even though they did it on Shabbos for your benefit. Again, we don't see from that action, it's not considered that you necessarily benefited solely from the desecration of Shabbos. Because the way it was structured, right, you would have gotten the same benefit if they did it before or after. As long as you had your, uh, your clothing today, you didn't benefit from anything. From, yeah, you didn't benefit from the fact that they did it on Shabbos as opposed to Friday. While we did talk about the warm, drier feel, is definitely very nice, right? But generally speaking, this is not an issue. David, are you raising your hand? No, oh, okay. So actually, I have a question because because I, I see actually more a problem with having help on Shabbat by them starting to ask questions about, oh, where does this go, right? Or should I do this? Or you know, where do these plates go? And 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 then you get into a situation where you're essentially supervising work, right? So that's so that's great. That's that's a great question, and um, that is a very sticky situation. Which is why, generally speaking, and, and I've had this because we've asked cleaning help to come on Yamtif, and we've had cleaning help that was unfortunately very very dedicated, but not necessarily um, 
We know. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot, I forgot that we have shared the same person, okay? I didn't... <laughs> um, so, so, um, <laughs> right. But, you know, so, so there's a lot of questions asked, and, and that's where it becomes very sticky. Yes, you are not allowed to... For example, right, you know, she asked me one time, you know, about sorting laundry. Now... <laughs> She, she, I'm not allowed to ask her to sort laundry, and with sorting laundry, right? So, so she had a couple of days to do it. If she sorts laundry on Shabbos, that's an interesting question, right? Because on one hand, you benefit from it, and now your laundry is sorted, right? On on the on the other hand, you know, is this necessarily considered to be a uh, direct benefit or not? And you know, she could have theoretically put away, you know, each pair of pants one by one, right? And she doesn't have to sort it necessarily. So that's sticky. But yes, that is a big problem. And having household help on Shabbos, unless they are very, very, you know, well, you know, trained and, you know, they've been around for like when I was in uh, yeshiva, we had a few people who, you know, who, who had worked in the kitchen uh, the whole week. They would come on Shabbos afternoon sometimes and help us out. Right. Those guys, they knew everything. Like they never asked me a question. They they knew Hilcha Shabbos a lot better than I did. Right. Like one, I remember one time, you know, trying to do something with a pot, and the guy told me, "Hey, hey, you can't do that. I can do that. You can't do that. It's too hot. So even though it's already off the fire when you pour it in, it's still a problem." I said, "Okay, you know what? You're probably right." Because at that point, I didn't know Hilka Shabbos very well, and and he did. So you know, and he was right. He was actually was right. It was wrong of me to to uh, 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 to do it. So, yeah. So, uh, so I'm just saying, you know, from a technical perspective, you are allowed to have. But you're right. It it it, it on a from a like practical place, it very often can cause a lot of issues. We had this issue when um, the painters, you know, they were painting over the course of three weeks. Right. And they asked, should we not come on Saturdays? And from our perspective, like what you do is your business, we're paying you for the job. So how you figure out your days, I mean, because they were, I mean, they didn't want to come Sundays because that's their holiday. So we, I said, it's, I don't care. It's your, you do what you need to do. But he, he's right. I mean, the problem is that then you get pulled into so yeah, and and then that's and and that's a big problem. I mean, you know, there there's no easy answer there, right? It really depends on what they're asking, how they're asking, right? And you know, in in our next segment, we're going to talk about specifically having people work for you on Chavez. And I was telling Helmut, right, that that you know, when he brought this up uh, some time ago, that living in Stony Brook is very nice for us because as we're going to see living outside a Jewish community actually makes your life a lot easier in this very narrow area. It makes, it makes your life a lot easier, but uh, you know, that, that's a problem. It's true. Yeah. Having, you know, Amir Lakam is one of those very, very difficult areas because it comes up so frequently and it's, uh, not extremely well defined sometimes, and it's something which also it doesn't really feel bad when you're asking someone else to do something, right? So, so you know, it's 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 yeah. So that's very challenging. Okay. So I would say, in retrospect, I would avoid it. I, I think it was not in the right spirit. Right. Okay. So so I want to just just wrap up, you know, uh, this semen. 
Um, and we will move on to our new topic next week, meaning we'll still be in the laws of Amir Lakam, but we're going to move on to uh, a different area of it. But I want to just talk quickly about the laws of getting a newspaper on Shabbos and what are some of the issues. And we're going to explore this a little bit more in depth. But if you think about right, if you think about the issue of a newspaper, right? So there are a few concerns. Concern number one, right, is when was this newspaper printed, right? And was it printed for you? Now, right away you'll say, I am but one person, and they print millions of New York Timeses, right? Or New York Times, what's the plural? New York Times, whatever, right? And and you and you want to write many, many editions of a New York Times. Thank you. Um, and, and you, so uh, David says New York Times, okay. So many editions is, is probably the best. Yeah, so, so they, pay, they print many editions. But the reality is, is that they printed your edition for you. Only you, right? So in a way, it's worse, right? But then you'll say, well, you know, they don't, they're, they're not thinking about you, right, when they print, right? But there's also this concern that they are thinking about printing for all their uh, subscribers and for everybody. So, so here we have this kind of interesting phenomena, right, where... There is a certain aspect of the work that's done for you, right? But then you'll say that, you know, they're not actually doing any Chil Shabbos because their act of Chil Shabbos was just one thing, was turning on the machine, right? Or initiating the process, which is very automatic, right? So there wasn't actually any work done for you at all. There was one act of Chil Shabbos that then produced a million newspapers, right? I mean, if, if it's printed on Shabbos, right? Okay. Wouldn't you argue that the delivery person, right? Okay. If, they, if, they, if they only have, let's say they have 10 New York Times in the truck. Okay, so that's where I wanted to go. Not, they will not say, oh yeah, this is yours. This is so Helmut, that's, that's a good point. So you have a delivery person. So with regards to printing, I think we could argue that printing should not be a problem. Okay, we can, we, can, we can explore it next time maybe, but the printing theoretically should not be a problem. Delivery. Now, with delivery, right, what is the Chil Shabbos that gets involved, right? So if you live outside a Erev area, right, so they're bringing it from out. So first of all, if they bring it from, from New York City and they cross a bridge, right, that's automatically considered to be coming from outside the Tchum, from coming outside the permissible area on Shabbos, and therefore your newspapers were brought from outside the Tchum into the Tchum. But then again, right, this truck has, you know, although it's mostly liberal Jews who read the New York Times, right, but there are some others who also do, right, and there's, and there's, and therefore there's, a, you know, that, that, that part you can say is not for you. But if they're even coming to your area, right, or where you live, right, there is going to be some driving in the truck that they're going to be doing just for you. And over there, there's Chil Shabbos. So over there, we can talk about this issue we talked about earlier, that they could have theoretically stopped at the last non-Jewish guy's non-Jewish person's house, taken your newspaper, jogged it over to your door, placed it there, and kept going. Now, this may be true in certain circumstances, right? But it's also, you know, not going to be true in other circumstances. And definitely, if you live outside of a Erev, right, the person is bringing it up up your walk, right, that's going to be a problem, and, and, and in, in such a case, it's definitely an issue. Uh, if you live inside of an Erev, and therefore, theoretically, the person could have carried it, then that gets to that question of Rabbeinu Tam, where he or she had two ways to, to, to bring it. 
and uh, they chose one way, right? And you know, and 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 therefore it should be uh, uh, permissible. So therefore, there's a lot of concerns when it comes to newspapers. The commentary, the the post game, generally speaking, are split. Um, many people do not read the New York Times every day on Shabbos. Other people do, right? Um, the you know my father-in-law doesn't, but he walks by and with his foot he like kicks it and like tries to look at the blue paper to look at the headlines, and you know, and uh, you know, and whenever there's some kind of interesting issue, I do the same thing. You know, you're lying flat on your belly and you're like trying to look <laughs> at the type. You know, who won what, right? But but uh, you know, so that could be an issue. It's another issue, right, with packages that come on Shabbos, right? Packages that come. That's much more pro- problematic because those packages very often came from out of the Tchum, specifically for you on Shabbos, and therefore, you know, mail and these types of things are much more problematic. But we're going to explore this in depth in Mirch Hashem uh, next time, and we're going we're to look at the Shulchan Aruch that actually talks about it. And we'll also, through that, get into the issue of hinting and uh, remiza. All right. Everyone, have a... Yeah. With the fridge, sorry.